Hello, and welcome to the Underwater Sunshine Podcast. I am your host, Adam Duritz, and I'm here with my pal, the one, the only, the ever cool. <laughs> James Campion. How are you, sir? I am good. I'm happy to be back from uh, a few gigs, which is nice, uh, back in New York again. And uh, the gig we played the other night, we played, we sold out Ravinia in Chicago. You know, we're only playing about nine or ten gigs this year. We've got two or three left um, the rest of the year. Uh, where are we playing? Mount St. Michelle on August 8th, I think, or August 7th, and then August 9th at uh, Outside Lands in San Francisco, the festival, and then on the 10th down at Paso Robles at the winery there. Uh, but on, at Ravinia the other day, we sold out Ravinia, and we played with Margaret Glaspie, and I've been trying to get Margaret Glaspie to do something with us forever, uh, and I'm so happy when she agreed to play this gig, and man, she was insanely good. Uh, and at one point, Emmer was just standing next to me. He's like, man, she is just an outrageous guitar player. And, and she's so good. But uh, I want to just concentrate on her today. I'm going to play some stuff, and we'll talk about some stuff. I'm going to start you right off right now. This is a song from her album, Emotions and Math, a couple years ago. This is Memory Street. It's kind of a weird little song, and I just love it. She played it. Check it out.
hard to remember all the times I, times I, times I, times I, times I, times I, times I took forever to forget. <laughs> Very clever. See what she did there? She talks yeah, about the man. record She's skipping, like... <laughs> and she made her own record skip naturally. <laughs> but repeating the way she repeats the times I times I sounds like when a record skips. Yeah, and then, really smart. All the times I took forever to forget. Then, of course, just like like it's this fucking. It's a it's Skipping a treadmill record. you're on. You yeah. know, it's just like yeah. not going anywhere. You're stuck. I love that song. I love the metaphor of memories being the street you walk down, or, or like a. And that the yesterday part of it is a chateau that you're outside the walls of trying to look back in. Yes. You know, I mean, but also what I just love, and this is true of all of her music, is the daring sound of that overdriven guitar. Oh, yes. Yeah. And her, like, yes. not being afraid to punch you in the face with it. Yeah. Like, It's very, very hardcore guitar. And, but it's got that – when she starts going into the lead, it's, it, it gave me a little bit of a feel for, like, Lucinda Williams when she gets, like, really raunchy in her – uh, like the breakdowns that she has, and you mentioned before we went to the podcast. I think there it is very true. You hear a, a lot of of um, Exile on Guyville kind of raw guitar sound in this, and in in the three minute pop song of it. But there's also a lot of PJ Harvey and the sort of the daring, like pushing the vocal, the melody, the volume, and the sound of the guitar, the right. overdriven guitar sound. That's why I said to Emma when we were standing there watching her. I walked over. I'm like, she totally inhabits this sort of unexplored country between. That Exile on Guyville Liz Fair, yeah. or the Whip Smart Liz Fair, and on the other end of it is the PJ Harvey, the wildness and the sort of especially that unfettered nature. Right. And Immer turned to me and said, "Yeah, she's a better guitar than both of them." Yes, though. you Man, could definitely can tell the phrasing in the guitar, especially when she goes and said, "That's why I mentioned, you know, even though uh, Lucinda Williams is more a rhythm guitar player, there's parts where she goes off and she gives, she drives the. She's very much an electric guitar player, and." Also in her phrasing here when she sings, but I hear your voice scream my name, it's so easy there to get nuts. But there's a lo-fi beauty of P.J. Harvey's early work uh, that I absolutely love. That always remind me of like Daniel Johnston and some of those you know DIY guys that were doing that stuff there in Austin. And uh, that she, did, she doesn't give it up there. She, she's like on that edge of tension in her vocals I love that – is specific to her style. And I, I haven't heard a lot of Margaret Glassby. I've heard it through you. I know Zoe to you, to me. And then Eric in the la- in a couple of podcasts ago when you guys first met, he saw that po- that that poster that you have up on the on the wall for Bowery Ballroom and he said, Wow, Margaret Glassby, you guys started to share this idea that she kind of resonates with somebody who's really a pop soul artist like Eric Hutchinson and yourself, a singer-songwriter, uh, and so, and then we can connect it to all those other dots of how those other female, it's not just female, but it's the way she presents it. There's an intensity to it that is so relatable. Yeah, she's, uh, well, I was going to say that there's, uh, we were talking about the funny, the record-skipping thing, but the, it's in the verse before that, what she says leading up to that is, when I get hungry for the mess we made, I start walking down memory lane. The record skips, but I, but I let, let it play. play. But I hear your voice scream my name. I tell you to go back to wherever the fuck you came. I don't go back, but when I go back, I try. I try to remember all the times I, times I, times I, 
you know, times I took forever to forget. (laughs) You know, like that she, she's just sad the record skips when I try to remember you, you know, but I let it play and let it happen anyways. And when you scream my name, I tell you to go back from wherever the fuck you came from, you know, like. And that's the way memory is. my life and my head. Especially painful memories. They come back no matter how many times we try to get rid of it, whether it's a broken heart or, uh, you know, a death in the family or a a terrible, uh, a tragedy or a mistake that you have, that comes back to you. You, you try to, you know, okay, I'm just going to forget. I'm going to relax. I'm, gonna, I'm going on to do. I'm going to work. I'm going to, uh, you know, busy my mind with other stuff. Or maybe I'm going to drink tonight just to let it go. But it always seems to come it keeps back to us like a skip, skipping record. And I love last week we talked about Wildermaker using geography as a way to describe his surroundings. But also describe like when he talks about that street, the new street. The new street being new memories or things I'm experiencing for the first time. She's using this idea of a road. As if I look back, I could see all the places I've passed and all the things I've experienced. And none of them, in this song anyway, have been particularly pleasant. They, they, they gnaw at her, and she's expressing that very well. And again, the way she's singing that is not overwrought with emotion. But you can feel it. There's a tension. She's like, she wants to burst out, but she's not doing it. She's not doing it. She's holding it back somehow. And that works for me emotionally. I love the way she phrases that. And, and, and you mentioned again, the guitar is so upfront. And that's where I get the yeah. Liz Fair connection because her guitar was always upfront. Yeah. It was part of her but she's, fury. She's, it, it's, it's sonically upfront in Liz Fair, but it's also emotionally and gutturally, like viscerally upfront here in a way that's like, because she's doing uh, the guitar. I love the, 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 the taut, almost princeness of the. Uh, like uh, since what's a uh, what's that the great the song off of uh, Dirty Mind uh, the first Prince single really uh, when uh, you were mine when you were mine the, right the taut sort of princeness of when you were mineness yeah. on the Liz Fair stuff yeah. that it's all in service of like this uh, perfect pop song that's that a perfect indie pop song yeah. but here it's also jutting out it's jagged it's got all this overdriven sound to it and melodies that that. Uh, echo the emotions in the songs um, and I want to go back I want to play the beginning of the record now the, okay. f- this title song off the record the record is called uh, Emotions and Math uh, from 2016 uh, and I love it. it's about the addictive nature of a relationship the, the first verse of the song for instance is oh, when I got you by my side everything's alright it's just when you're gone I start to snooze the alarm because I stay up till 4 in the morning counting all the days till you're back shivering in an ice cold bath of emotions and math and that's the chorus you know, uh, counting all the days till you're back, shivering in an ice cold bath. Yeah, I think for some reason, you and I must have, if we didn't play this on the podcast, you and I must have talked about this off the podcast. I remember this song. Well, maybe we did, or I played it for you. I think I sent it to you back then, but maybe we did. It was a long time ago, though. Yeah, emotions Being there the other day really wanted me to, I wanted to revisit a lot of this stuff and and go deeper into it. So let me check out this song and we'll come back and talk about it. Shivering in an ice cold bath of emotions and math. That's a fucking great <laughs> twist of a phrase right there. Well, just emotions and math. Yeah. <laughs> Margaret Glassby from her album Emotions and Math. Emotions and Math. Oh, when I got you by my side, everything's all right. It's just when you're gone, I start to snooze the alarm. Cause I stay up until four in the morning Counting all the days to your back Shivering in an ice cold bath Of emotions in my
go and I start losing control without a warning Counting all the days till you're back Shivering in an ice cold bath Of emotions in my head I've gotta get out of this tree Off of this limb I'm a woman acting like a A skinny mess that's breathless from telling you all of the things that I'm going a great pop rock song yeah i was gonna say I, I really like that song and that's a little more in the vein of what we're talking about just writing a perfect little hook a melody line that goes with it and a tight little turnaround love it but still keeping that sort of like dangerous guitar like oh yeah and her voice is still very yeah. dangerous this is yeah. dangerous and it's got that little boppy beautiful thing reminds me of you know the 10th avenue freeze out bump Bom, bom, yeah. bom, bom. And I love that because which is which is harkens back, which Springsteen was trying to do to the old F- Phil Spector songs that had that great ability to make you hum along, but yet evoked sadness, not only lyrically but emotionally in the music. Well, she's got a thing, you know. There's a lot of tr- uh, tradition, especially in the early days of women in music, and I think this this echoes kind of what the, one of the themes of this record is. You know, the women would sing; they had beautiful voices, like Karen Carpenter, and you just stay in the song. But then you had women like. Joni Mitchell, Chrissy Hind, PJ Harvey, oh, yeah. oh, whose right. voice is punctured. Ricky Lee. Ricky, but, but I'm specifically talking about some women, you know, but Ricky Lee too, I guess, whose voices puncture the rhythm of the song, puncture the sort of like the groove and the feel that yeah. you think you're in the song by like being a little more outrageous by rhythmically taking you out of it, by singing in a uh, up in a falsetto or in this like 
the ro- when I'm like a rolling stone. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, like yeah, it yeah. pushes out of the song the same way the guitar does. She's puncturing sort of that like picture of what a woman's supposed to be, what you're expecting the woman to be in life, in recording. And I think that's a theme that occurs throughout this record as well. The idea of like she's fighting against the expectations of her role in society and relationships. She's pushing back against what uh, the woman is supposed to do. You know, I got to get out of this tree, off of this limb. I'm a woman acting like a kid. A skinny mess that breathless from telling you all the things that I'm going to do. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here waiting till you get home, you know? Right. Uh, that theme of, like, how I'm supposed to behave, and I don't like it, I don't want to behave that way, but I feel myself a little trapped in this role, comes up throughout this record in a lot of ways. Um, it, it comes up over and over again. I was thinking about this song I was going to play next. Do you, have, you want to say something more yeah, about it? Yeah, there's one more thing about the back, lyrics. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, uh, it, it, the idea of shivering in an ice-cold bath, which is great, great and, it, and it works perfectly with emotions and math, because math is supposed to be emotionalist, right? It's just numbers and that's it. There's no, you know, there's no gray area. There's no discussing it like you would do at art or literature or, or even history. But in the sense of the cold bath, it reminds me of the male cold shower. So she's at a fever. You put people in a cold bath when they're having a fever, uh, when they're in dangerous fever. And you don't get, you know, in the old days before aspirin and they can bring it down other ways. But it also is a way to curtail your libido because she's... She's trapped. I don't like the way I feel this way. I'm sort of a kept woman. I'm waiting for you to get home to satisfy me. I could satisfy myself in in other ways intellectually. I don't need to be in this fever. That's what I thought when I when I when I listened to the way she sang that because she sang it very much like Springsteen's fever. Getting back to him, like that that thumping, dum 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 dum, that sexual thing. And I I just I love how she's again in both these songs. There's a tension to her voice that I love. It just it makes you want to listen to the next line. But she's also saying, like, I want to do this. I don't want to be this way. But still, in order to survive all you're gone, I, yeah, I'm, I'm making my own choices. And I'm going to do my own way. I'm not going to sit here wanting you. But the only way to do it is incredibly painful. And, I'm, and I've got to, and not only that, but I'm in here counting the seconds. Time is moving very slowly. And it's a ice-cold bath of it. It's incredibly unpleasant. Right, when you look at Yeah, I'm not going to stay here in this fever of need or something. But... My only way out of it is this painful. It's like this doesn't work for me. It's a very. Right. It's an either it's a, or situation. It's, an either, it's a shitty either or. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to uh, mention that because the next song I want to play is called Pins and Needles. And it's like, um, it's sort of dealing with the same thing. Looks like I near forgot who I was to be who you want. Yes, I've been sitting silent because I thought you liked me quiet. But I don't want to watch my mouth. No, I don't want to act like I can't figure it out. I don't want to hold you till I'm good and ready to. Oh, I don't want to be on, pin, on pins and needles around you, of all people, of all people. I can't live and know that there are places we can't go. What are we going to do if we can't be true? Because I don't want to watch my mouth. You know? and she, I don't want to act like I don't, can't figure it out. I don't want to hold you until I'm ready to, and I don't want to be on pins and needles around you. Right. You know, she keeps repeating that thing. Yes, I could try my best to nod and say yes to you, even when my heart says no. Swallow my suggestions, not ask too many questions. Hide all of my friends whose humor might offend you. I don't want to watch my mouth. You know, all these sort of like the way, the, the kind of thing you tell children who are misbehaving. And she's like, I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to act this way. And that's the role she's chafing under. 
Right. On the song, in the song. So I want to play it for so you. So it's like Amy Mann's Till Tuesday song, the, you know, where the, the uh, voice is carried. Voice is carried, yeah. The way, you know, she, he said, shut up, and I want to break out of this. Yeah. Can I just say one thing before you play this? Yeah. The next lyric to a song called Situation, which comes right after that song, there's a first stanza, and my eyes were drawn to it because it's the end of the... Well, do you want to play? I can come back and play that song. Okay, we'll you talk about that because yeah. the first stanza of that reminds me of everything you're talking about here, which is the kind of stuff that Erin used to tell me when she was younger. This idea that because she's quiet, she's not happy-go-lucky smile, People would always say to her, why don't you smile more? How come, what's wrong with you? Well, there's nothing wrong with me. This is me. I'm just here. It's not like I'm wallowing in. I just, I'm a quiet person that doesn't give it up emotionally every second. You know, she'll laugh when something's funny or she'll cry when something's emotional. But a lot of times where other people will just give that just because they're in an uncomfortable situation. I think it's so, she puts it so well in that first stanza. But yeah, let's play this one, Pins and Needles, because in, in deference to what you were talking about, a lot of times in social situations or even romantic situations, we have to act ways that we don't feel comfortable doing and that's especially true of women i think in a lot of ways in society a lot of expectations for how they're supposed to behave right so let's play the song Uh, check it out this is margaret glassby again uh pins and needles looks like a new forgot who i was to be who you'd Yes, I've been sitting silent Because I thought you'd like to me quiet But I don't want to watch my mouth No, I don't want to act like I can't figure it out I don't want to hold you till I'm good and ready to Oh, I don't want to be on pins and needles Around you
Yeah, and I love the way she sings that line, I don't want to watch my mouth, you know, because it's it's the kind of thing that you say, it's a brief, truncated phrase, and you say it like you're slapping someone across the face. It's said to a child who's, who's like, uh, assumed to be misbehaving, and you say, watch your mouth. And, and it's very, like, pop, pop, it's very, it's, 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 it's vocalizing almost like a slap. Watch your mouth, or I'll wipe it out, or I'll slap, you know what I mean? Like, right. and, and she sings it, slapping back at that. I don't want to watch my mouth. And she spits those words out like that. You know, and and it, and she's got, you know, and and also by singing that, what she's insinuating is that it's the kind of thing that's being said to her. Yes, re, you know, it's it, it doesn't come up unless well, you, you unless, I nod and say yes to you, even when my heart says no. Yeah, I'm constantly acting like something I'm not. But you don't like my friends. She mentions friends later on. You know, you won't because their their their, uh, you know, their humor might offend you. And uh, you know, earlier in the song. You know, I've been sitting here silent because I thought you wanted me to be quiet. I thought you liked. Let me say something like, "I thought you liked me when I was quiet." Yeah, you liked me quiet. You liked yeah. me. You re- you prefer me just to shut up and sit here and be pretty or do whatever you know you'd like me to be. And and mostly in social situations, how I appear to you, I embarrass you by being myself, or I can't be myself. And if I may, there's a lot of angst in this song the way Liz Fair does so beautifully in Guyville specifically and we've talked about you know uh, you know what Amy Mann brings in, especially in that Till Till Tuesday song which is sort of like this idea like you know if you if I can't be me why do you even love me why do you even love me if I can't be me around you I have to hide myself I have to be something I'm not I have to carry myself dress myself speak a certain way uh, wear my hair a certain way I'm, I'm, I'm acting out but having said all of that that is a great rock and roll song with a very classic rock and roll theme, which is, don't you tell me what to do. I am standing up and I'm being me. Also with a great rock and roll like riff and Absolutely. groove. Absolutely. Like that's just, you know, again, you don't hear many trios nowadays. You know, the trios are hard to pull off because you've got to have an, enough integration of the groove the rhythm section with the front piece that it doesn't just feel like background and front music. And it takes a hell of a guitar player to pull that off too. You need a Kurt Cobain. You need a an Eric Clapton. No, you need a Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. No, it's a quartet. Well, well yeah, yeah, it's a quartet in a different way. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he can, he's free to concentrate on that. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? Like, he's not a singing of, a lot of those songs, right? Yeah, I mean, like, but she's just carrying it with... Um, Herself, he is. She is, and and on a rhythm section that's killing it. But she's writing songs. The drummer, me- Tim, I think his name's Tim Kuhl. Yeah. He's playing with her, and he's on this record too. I think he's killer. He's fantastic. He's got this sparseness to it. That's not the bass player uh, we saw her with. Daniel was the bass player, but uh, he's got this incredible sparseness and this incredible economy to his playing. Right, but. It's all kinds of color too. He's not just playing a groove. He's coloring in all the right ways. It's it's perfect drumming. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I, I love the, the like I said, it's a great you know, I was thinking of what you know I said and it's funny because Ryan keeps using it in all the promos and I'm glad Ryan Hamilton, our friend, you know, and, and his uh, his song uh Mamacita, which I said was a rock and roll masterpiece. This what I'm trying to say is when I hear a really great rock and roll song that harkens back to why I loved rock and roll in the first place. It immediately speaks to me, and this song does. It's just a great rock and roll song with great rock and rock and roll sentiment, a great riff, a great phrasing, and a and a rhythm section, a bottom end, a drummer and a bass player who's just driving along. I think your Nirvana reference is actually good. I think that that's true because what those guys did so beautifully is they they did spectacular things, but not in your face. They let Cobain drive the song, and they let those songs speak their mind. 
That's what these songs do. Yeah. And lucky for her, she's writing this the way Cobain did so she could drive the band. She could lead the band. She's in control. I think that's the first thing you said to me is that there's a control that she has over, the, over what she's doing. She's leading the band. She's leading the moment. I think that was something I'm well, paraphrasing it's very intentional. It's very yes. – it's like we were saying about Pratik, you know, and, and where you leave the holes. She's got a lot of intention in what she's doing and Agreed. a lot of like uh, a pretty – you know, those guitar riffs that go with her vocals are written to set grooves for the song. And then they're really filled out around that by the bass and the drums, which are playing with a lot of economy because she's got that really heavily overdriven guitar sound. Which is thick. Right. You know, so you don't want too much around her or it just becomes a mess. And they do that sometimes where they purposely make, fill it up and make it, like, really jagged. Right. You know, but, but you know, she's, she's using it to really be funky and have a groove on it while playing, like, overdriven, sort of almost grungy guitar sounds, but not the huge chord choruses. Right. She's Did doing she them herself. In, you, right. to, you, you really hear three people in a room playing this. Yeah, I was going to say, that she have a hand in producing this? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder because it does it does speak to the way she probably wrote this song and and how it sounded in her head and how it probably sounded in the rehearsal room with the band because well, you it's never not know because these things can be very influenced by a producer to change too. But either way, it's 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 work it, in the end. It's come to put in place really cool, right? There's an economy to the way it's played, and and if I could say also, she you know one of the things I love. I, I recently discovered this, and I probably knew this for many years, but I, I just recently discovered this, and I was thinking about writing about it. When you listen to the the power of the way the Supremes dominated the 1960s and the way that Diana Ross sang all those songs, and they were – I mean people forget about how big the Supremes were, probably as big as the Beatles for the longest time. They had something like 10 top ten, top no, no, like six or seven number one songs. Anyway, all of those songs are sad. They're painful songs about breakup or not being able to find the guy or not being understood or what are you doing? Why aren't you here? Or where are you going? And But they're pop, beautiful songs that were huge hits. My, my point is she works in that milieu. She's not going outside the bounds. She's not trying to reinvent the wheel. She's using the foundation oh, I don't of know about great that. rock and roll, I think, to tell these well, tales. Well, in the same sense that you know that you can take that all the way back to Buddy Holly and that she's writing great songs that are three, three and a half minutes long. No question about but, it. But I mean, she's, she's, she's using the she's, form it, to its best. But case, she's singing in say. ways that are far outside of like, you know, Dinah Ross is sticking to a melody and a groove and it's not, she's not punching out of it the way some of these vocals do that like jar you out of the groove. She's and writing songs with groups that are three minute, like Buddy Holly songs, but she's jarring you out of them too. Yes. With, with vocal ticks and guitar ticks, especially that like, feel uh, uh, clunky in a good way like so that you feel a clunk like someone with a limp so that it hits hard and then it juts out so it's not like you, you can't just sit in a groove and sort of enjoy it it pushes you in ways it does too. take you out of the groove and I, and I only use that obviously Giant Ross is singing soulful rock and roll that took place yeah. four or five decades ago six decades and you have a woman here clearly that is singing in a different style but there's some the lineage I find there is the fact that she's Singing a rock and roll song, I don't want to, to, I don't want, that's what I hear when I hear this song. So it's got that great, you know, repetitive, I hear it, it's melodic and it gets into my head, but there's something beneath it that the emotions break through to it. Well, a frustration and an anger that's the, because this could be a pop song if it was just, I don't want to shut my mouth. It was yes. a nice groove. It could be that, but that's not how she's playing it. No. Because the guitar is dangerous, the vocal is angry, because part of what's going on underneath this is not just, she is creating great little pop songs, but... She's inhabiting them as someone who's not just there to sing a, a melody to you. She's there to communicate a bunch of 
emotions, some of which are difficult, some of which are uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, and she's communicating well, them both in her vocal and in her, and in her guitar playing. Sure. You know? And essentially you are describing Cobain, who, who loved pop music, who grew up with the Partridge yeah, family yeah. and Elton John and loved that stuff. And he put it in his songs. And that's why those songs were hugely popular. But also there was a depth and anger, a, a despair in them that gave them something that was completely different. I think she is working on that fine line. But, but what I'm trying to say is she's able to do it. There's so many times where I think Liz Fair could write a pop song, you know, maybe more than P.J. Harvey. But in the sense, this woman, I think, No, Liz Fair wrote any great pop song. She, she sure did. But she, but she would have in that chorus, um, fucking run, fucking <laughs> run, fucking ever since run, I was right. 17, fucking run, fucking run, right. ever since I was 12. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that she has this great pop melody, but what she's saying is something very disturbing, intensely disturbing. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and and I think one of the reasons that well, you were talking about situation. Uh, I want to come back to it after this song after we play situation because you were talking about how it interested you because of what you said about like Aaron. Yeah, um, and it's funny because like, you showed, you sent me a picture the other day of you and Aaron and Barbara at uh, oh with Eric w- with at Eric the, at the Rockwood. Yeah, yeah at Rockwood. Uh, and everyone's smiling, but Aaron's not smiling. She never does. A- a- Aaron looks intensely unhappy. She might not be intensely unhappy, <laughs> but she looks intensely unhappy in that picture. And, you know, that's the thing, the thing you're saying, because however she looks is her right to look that way. Yeah. But I'm sure a million people have said to her, because I thought it myself seeing the picture. What's wrong with Aaron? Yeah, yeah. Look, She looks pissed. Yeah. You yeah. know, but maybe she's not. She's just, that's just her face at that moment, <laughs> you know? Um, and, <laughs> you know how uh, many times I've heard that over the years? Because you go, my parents, they don't like, she doesn't like us? You know, it's the immediate, I'm like, well, that no, it's just, that's the way she, I'm sorry, she's not going to put on that show. She, and it's amazing because that could be difficult because in our society, we expect certain ways that people act to make you feel comfortable. In other words, most of the things you do in life is to make other people not feel uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I think one of the reasons, but it's also one of the reasons I think I'm so fascinated lately, or maybe just always, with uh, women's music because they are uh, a part of our population that is dealing with stuff we're not dealing with. They're dealing with difficulties, with weights, with, I mean, not just physical ones too, with being smaller, with, right. But with, with having physical functions that are considered embarrassing or not right for society, like, you know, they can't take their shirt off. It's seen a certain way. There's something wrong with the top half of their body yeah, right. or, 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 or salacious about it. But also just in society, in took them 100 years extra to get the vote. Um, you sure? You know, and, you know, even today there's, there's discrimination in ways uh, – they're dealing with things in life that we're not dealing with, that we don't have to deal with. And in yes. their music, more and more nowadays, those things are coming out. And there was a lot of – maybe for a long time it didn't come out as much because it wasn't considered how women should sing. But I mean – but I don't know. Maybe I've been – I guess I'm, I'm looking back and thinking I've been fascinated with women's music my whole life. But like right now, I, I find myself looking for a lot of it for the festival, really trying to find women's voices to hear because – if you're not careful, you will program a festival that has mostly men. Yeah. Because it's just it's easier. There are more bands with men, and you know we've been trying really hard. Like it's been a it's been a focus of ours since the first Underwater Sunshine to really try and get women's music. And as hard as we worked at it, it's still a lot less than the men. And I know because it was intentional to try and get more women, and you still end up with more men in it. But if you don't think about it and don't try, you could actually end up with no women. But I, it's been something I've been fascinated lately because the music I'm hearing from a lot of women is more interesting, more 
emotional in some ways. You know, and we just played the last podcast was two men who are completely emotional and, and pushing the boundaries in a lot of interesting sure, ways. Sure. But I, you know, I, I just think it's important to mention it that like I've just found myself much more interested in women's music because they're dealing with shit. And quite frankly, we've talked about in 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 deep detail Maria Taylor and Pedal and Julianne Baker. Hop along. Uh, yes. Sunflower Bean. Well, yeah. Sunflower, Sunflower Bean. And even going back to when we did the show, we, we played Liz Flair, we played Sinead. And I wanted to make this point. You made a great point about how a woman is viewed. Because we know about societies and society's expression, even in this country where a woman makes exponentially less than a man in, in, in major you know, jobs that they have or other things that they're battling for, you know, their health care and all the things that are kind of ignored. And, and then it – but – in getting back to pop music or rock music, getting back to that, the two things that always used to blow my mind – actually, three things. I'll name three things that blow my mind that's about the woman's physical form. Sinead O'Connell shaving her head. Now, men shave their heads all the time, and they, you know, and that was popular in the 90s. Michael Jordan, all these people. She shaved her head. It was a fucking thing. She knew it was a thing, and that's why she did it, but it was a fucking thing. Then – Going back to Patti Smith, not growing hair under her arms. Huge deal. Huge. To the point on Easter, she puts her arms up in the air so you could see she has hair under her arms. And it was a huge deal, right? And then finally, Janet Jackson. Her, her breasts come out at the Super Bowl. You would have thought the entire society cracked in half. Do you remember how big that was? It was so yeah, big, yeah. they stopped booking any pop acts after that. They booked all these bands that were not... They, they stopped booking bands that could be salacious. After that, they booked like Tom Petty. You know what I mean? Somebody they knew yeah, wasn't going to be whipping out his... Guess you who know. didn't get banned forever? Yes. The guy in there. The guy who pulled the part of her shirt out. Yeah, yeah. That made it happen. That was Timberlake, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I like Justin, but, you know, uh, it was such a big deal. Right. He, she's not the one who exposed it. He right, pulled that thing off her shirt. But he's back playing, shit. and he's back playing again last year. Which glad he was good. But I mean, that's right. She, he played the fe- he played, he played the Super it again. Bowl again. You know, sure he did. didn't end up getting banned forever. Right. You know, like uh, you know, I mean, Janet Jackson's not as big a deal now as she was then. But still, it's but, a good point. It's but I mean, and he is, but you know, double standard with the body for sure. It's a very big double standard. So you were talking about situation earlier. I yes. just want to talk about the first verse and chorus. This to give you an idea how the song goes. Yes, take your hands off me. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't like sympathy. Don't you dare pity me. Because you don't know my situation. We've had at most one conversation. Don't come out of the blue and tell me what to do. You know, and uh, this is the sort of theme of the song. And it's what we were talking about, about like, you know, why don't you look more like you're enjoying this, as you said? Why aren't you smiling in this picture? Right. Why aren't you? That first stanza really, really stood out to me. I really did. I related to it. Yeah. Check it out. Margaret Glaspie's situation. <laughs>
situation we've had at most One conversation I don't know Come out of the blue And tell you what to do on that one she's overdriving not just the guitar but also her vocal yeah they're overdriving the vocal and it's it's, it's so like sinuous that guitar part like snaking in and out of that like mm-hmm. like a cobra mm-hmm. dancing in front of you. and she's singing inside out around that guitar line it. it's fantastic you love know? it love that you don't know my situation we've had it most one conversation tell me what to... fucking fantastic it's a great rock pop song and she's singing it with the right kind of look listen she, she's totally hitting the sweet spot of great rock and roll lyricism. Every one of these are about, like, don't tell me what the fuck to do. Stop identifying me. I don't care if you call me a renegade or a rebel or whatever. I'm not going to stand in your shadow. I'm not going to sit here and act like a cute little girl and do whatever the hell you want me to do. Keep my mouth shut. I'm going to go. How many t- I mean, how many male voices have sung that? How many rock and roll songs are out there that reflect that? And she's doing it so well. That's why I'm saying she keeps coming back to this to this lyrical underpinning, this subtext that is just completely relatable to anyone who loves this kind of music. Especially yeah, and also, young. but it's so interesting what we were talking about before because the men singing it, it's like you're fighting, you're, you're dealing with the man who's telling you what to do. Yeah, it's a macho you're, thing. But you're a woman in this situation, you're dealing with everyone Everything, telling you that. Not, yeah, just, yeah. not just like the authority figures because in the situation they're dealing with, which is why I think a lot of women's writing is more interesting right now, everyone is trying to be an authority figure for you. Everyone is trying to tell you what to do because everyone thinks they know what women are supposed to do. Right. With a man, it's like maybe your boss. It's somebody. Maybe your friends aren't doing it. But in the situation that's coming up, for a lot of women, it is everyone. There's nowhere to turn without somebody trying to tell you what to do. Right. Everyone in your life. That is a really fucking infuriating situation. Sure. And I talk to a lot of women writers. And I've been doing this for years. And I try to watch the way I phrase it because I don't want to seem like, okay, yeah. But I would say to women, I, I think, keep at it. I think we need more women voices. We need more women writers. And, but also there's this fine line where if women start to branch out into different styles, they say, well, she's writing like a man. And, and that's, that's unfair because you want them to branch out. You don't want the same thing over and over again. And not everybody has to be in one voice or another. And that's true of music. You could do, but you know the great thing about rock and roll is it has been very democratic. It has been very male dominated. It was extremely male dominated in the fifties and sixties. But there, the great voices that have come out of this music is much more democratic and much more anti misogynistic. I think than almost any other art form to a certain extent. But there's you know there's a, still a lot of misogyny in there, and there's a lot of you know. Well, Joni Mitchell took a lot of shit from Rolling Stone magazine for being a woman. They actually called her uh, like every I forget what the word. She did was, not have a pleasant experience. Experience in rock and roll. No, and, and I think a lot of women might tell you the same thing. There's a certain expectation for how you're supposed to behave, who you're supposed to listen to, and if you don't, you're a bitch. But they still plowed through. We have the some great ones. plowed through, but they're getting. Like I said, 
I'm trying to book a festival and I am thinking all the time, got to find more women because it's what I want. It's what I'm interested in. It's what I want. Even with that, it's hard. Like yeah. I, I still keep looking back and going, I, I got more men. Because and I love the ones I've got. Nothing against the men I've got, but it was just so much easier to find them. Right. You know, and uh, so much easier. Right. And I just even with all the intention in the world of booking women, 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 women. Then you look at the list, and yeah, we did. We booked a lot of women, and I'm very proud of it. But more men. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not coming down fifty fifty, which is where the which is where the population is. In fact, there's supposed to be around fifty one women to men. But we're not coming down that way in anything. I bet if I counted up the music in my iTunes, it would be more men. I bet it's not even close. You know, it just it just happens that way. Um, yeah, and I think it's also because the role model aspect of it. There's just a lot more guys that are uh, you know uh, obsessed with wanting to be a rock star in a sense well, to be realized as a person that way. Guess what? You're also allowed. Forget. Let's just say the same amount of them get. Let's just say the same amount of them in, in one year. Miraculous. The same amount of men as women ended up being rock stars. Let's just say that happened in a year. What about five years down the line? Because the other thing you're not allowed to do as a woman is get older. Yeah. I mean, you're not really allowed to do as a man in rock and roll either, but you can. Yeah. And it's much more true of men too. than women. And acting too. You know, but you're not allowed to get older as a woman. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, because once you do, they've got another set of roles that you're allowed to play. And, it, and it's just true. Like, you have a bunch of roles. There are a million kinds of roles for men. But uh, for women, you're largely supposed to be the love interest. Even if you're the lead, you have to be lovable in that way for the most part. I'm right. not saying it's 100%. Or sexually. Uh, and then when that's over, yeah. then you've got some other roles where you're a mother or something. You're more or maternal. If you get old enough, you can play the queen. You know, and, but there's only a few Judy Denches out there. Right. You get to be Judy Dench. You get to be Helen Mirren. But there's not a lot of other room out there. That's true. You know, and, and uh, that's the other thing. So even if we did have a year where the same amount of women got famous as men or the same amount of women had success that's in music as men, point. five to ten years down the line, the men would still be allowed to be there. And culturally and society, societally, the women, many, many fewer women wouldn't be because on some level it's just not as appealing to us. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, But, but you know it's funny? Though, last thing. So do you know? Because I was just thinking this the other day. I almost texted you this. You know, Deborah Harry just turned seventy-four. She looks as cool as ever. She has never lost her edge, man. And going out on the road this summer with Elvis Costello. He told I talked to him the other day, and he told me they're going out on tour with Blondie. I know you fucking maniac. Like really like you cool. talked to Elvis. That is so cool. I know it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I, mean, I have to say, like uh, talking to Elvis Costello because is that the first time you'd ever talked to him? Yeah, yeah. Because no, he's, he's a god to me, man. I swear to God. He's, you know, I don't know, Cole Porter, reborn. You know, like he's oh, at a level that – we'll get to that another time because we oh, really should yes. – that's another show we should do. We should do Elvis Costello. You sure as hell. We could do 50 shows week on Elvis Costello. All right, now getting back to Margaret. Because this is, I want to play you the song. This is the first song I heard by her because this is Zoe's favorite song. And uh, I'm a little – it's called Somebody to Anybody. Is this on the same record? Yeah, these are all on the same that's record. Amazing. I'm a little rock on a big mountain. <laughs> Nobody's calling my name. Nobody's paying me mind. I'm a little drop from a big fountain. Oh, I blend in, and that's fine, fine. And my sister, she's going to die trying with her heart ablaze and a fighting song. Not me. I'll be a dandelion. Give me a gust of wind, and I'm gone, gone. Because I don't want to be somebody to anybody. No, I'm good at no one. Once I was loved, and I wouldn't dare take a compliment or give a kiss. Just thinking of being a pair had me suffering and made me split. 
Oh, because I don't want to be somebody to anybody. No, I'm good at no one. I keep my head down and both eyes wide. I don't look up, just side to side. And I stay well kept so they can see there's nothing wrong with me. It's just that I don't want to be somebody to anybody. No, no, I don't want to be somebody to anybody. No, I don't want to be somebody to anybody. No, I'm good at no one. We definitely played this song. Yeah, about yeah, absolutely. Because we, I'm good at no one is as good as it gets. Yeah, that is a fucking great line. And I like man. the idea too that like I don't, I don't want to be part of a pair because that's another way we get defined. Defined, I, you exactly. know, I, I, especially I, a woman. I want to. I don't. I want to just be my own self. I'll, I'll blow in the wind if it takes it. I'll be a da- not me. I'll be a dandelion. Yes, One I'm puff good. Of wind and I'm gone, gone. And this song she plays without anybody. She didn't play it at the show, I think, because she was doing a band show. And this is just her alone. Yes, I remember this. But she this. carries this song because oh, the guitar accompaniment that she's playing with the vocal, it is, it just this song just sprays, it just shit sprays originality yeah, all agreed. over the track. It's just. I remember I freaked out when the first time I heard this song. From moment one to moment level. end, yes. it is outrageously. It is a great piece of songwriting. It is a great piece of playing, and it is completely and utterly original. So here's Margaret Glasby. Good at no one. Somebody to anybody. No, I don't 
actually an incredibly great pop song, not played at all like a pop song. Yep. It's, it's jagged. It's it's alone. And I, I love that thematically it's about being alone, and she plays it alone. Yeah. Rather than uh, <laughs> yeah. rather than have a band or anyone supporting it, it's just her. But that, you know, it's so pretty. You could, you could change the lyrics to it, and, you know, it'd be a wonderfully emotive love song. Yeah. Na, 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 na. But, but she's singing about... Yeah, I don't want to be with anybody. I'm way, way... It's not only that she's... I, I can't tell you how much I really adore I'm good at no one. It's combining two different things. It's like, I'm good at tennis. <laughs> I'm good... <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's... I'm good at no one. Like, that's the thing. Not like I'm not good for anyone. Or it's just the use of those two phrase, uh, two, those four words, I'm good at no one. At five, right? I am good. Well, really, I am. But at no one. So it's the way she says that is is, and the fact that it ends the thought of it all. You know what I mean? It, uh, I just can't say enough about that. I, I think I waxed poetic at it last time we played it, but it just to me, I'll never forget it. I think it's one of my favorite all time lyrics. Okay, so check this next one out. Now this is also it's a really funky little groove, chugging along on her guitar. It's a great little dark, dark, dark pop song uh, called "You and I." Uh, oh, tonight, I'm a little too turned on to talk about us. And tomorrow, I'll be too turned off and won't give a fuck about you and I. I don't want to see you cry, but it feels like a matter of time. I'm not looking for an open door to talk about love. Maybe you agree, but I see you saving pictures of you and I. I don't want to see you cry, but it feels like a matter of time. Here, I thought we had some kind of understanding that we're no Dick and Jane out on parade. Not looking for lengthy or demanding. Nothing's lost if nothing's gained. Smile is just a smile. A kiss is just a kiss. Do I see you all the while reading into it? No. It's no. You and I. I don't want to see you cry, but it feels like a matter of time. I like this one, too, because now she's taking ownership of it. It's not about I don't want to be. It's like I am getting exactly what I want out of this relationship, and you either get on the program or you're going to be in pain. You know, because I'm not, I'm not yours. I'm not belonging to you. I will. I'm not going to be alone either. I'm taking part, but then I'm taking off. Right. It's kind of what she's saying. Yes, it's exactly what she's saying because she's using Dick and Jane, which you know is the symbol of, you know, that uh, we're no Dick and Jane. I, I thought we had some kind of understanding that we're no we're Dick and Jane on that. parade. You know, on parade, that. much less. I love that. The last line she says: "Smile is just a smile, kiss is just a kiss." Do I see you all the while reading into it? No, no. It's just you and I. You know, like that's she's quoting uh, one of the most famous songs in yes. history as time goes by. You know, that's the ultimate lost love, missing each other. You know, but I mean, uh, she's taking it the other way. I'm, I'm leaving. Well, actually, like Elsa does, Elsa goes off with the guy at the end of the movie, and Humphrey Bogart stays behind. He and sure she's, does. She's yeah. gone off wherever she wants to go, not just with the guy. To, but Humphrey Bogart sends her off to take care of him because he's important to the war effort and he needs his woman with him. Yes. And she's like, nah, I'm just going to, I'll just be leaving. Tonight I'm too turned on to talk about I love that first couple lines. Tonight I'm too turned on to talk about us, and tomorrow I'll be too turned off and won't give a fuck about, about us, <laughs> right, basically. Exactly. About you and I, which is the title of the song. <laughs> like, you know, like tonight I want to fuck and have fun, and tomorrow I'm probably not even gonna be here. So we're right. this this is it's just a conversation we're not going to have because we're not having it now, and I'm not gonna be here then. Right. And so, we we also should say that the history we played a shitload of Rod Stewart faces songs. There's a, the, the history of rock and roll is replete with songs about 
get the fuck out. We've had our good time. What the fuck? You know what I mean? I mean, there were number one songs, like that crazy Mac Davis song where he's like, get out. <laughs> that was a number one song in the country. And, and she's flipping it on its head. It's like, hey, don't fall in love with me, buddy. I think that's the name of the song, the Mac Davis song, don't fall in love or we can't fall in love. Don't fall in love with me. I'm, I'm a rogue. I, I don't, I'm not a one woman person. She's basically saying, listen, I can't, I, I, don't, I don't have the emotional capacity for you. So either deal with that. Or I have it, but I don't care. But I don't really care. Don't care. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not interested in that right now with you. I thought we had an understanding. We're having fun fucking. Right. You know, she's turning a pop song on its ear in the same way, in a different way, in the same way, in a different way, that, that, uh, that, that Liz Fair does <laughs> with true. Fucking Run, talking about like something horrifying in a fun little pop song. But she's talking about just like, no, sometimes I just want to fuck too, you know? Right. Cat scratch fever, whatever, you know, I, I, I just want to get out, you know? Right. Anyways, check this out. This is You and I, which, by the way, the, uh, the record uh, notes is explicit. Oh, oh, yes, of course. So, Mark Glasby, You and I, still all songs for emotion and math. Amazing. Dig it. All tonight, I'm a little too turned on to talk about us. And tomorrow, I'll be too turned off and won't give a fuck about you and I. I don't want to see you cry, but it feels like a matter of time. I'm not looking for an open door to talk about love. Maybe you agree, but I see you saving pictures of you and I. I don't want to see you cry, but it feels like a matter of time. Here I thought we had some kind of understanding. That we're no Dick and Jane are on parade. Not looking for a lengthy or demanding. Nothing's lost if nothing's love how these songs are short and sweet 230 230 on that one that's like a ramon song it's it's like an old pop song it's yeah. it's and, and she doesn't fuck around she plays verse verse a chorus she she grooves a little bit she throws a that great one bridge. song's got great bridge every one of her bridges are spectacular and then she takes it out 
she doesn't meander around or screw around. And in that way, she reminds me a lot of some of the great songwriters that I love. It's just, you know, and, and I do love longer form. We've talked about that with Wildermaker or anything else that we've talked about on the podcast. But, but in this case, it perfectly fits what she's doing here, you know? Yeah, she's got some Ramones and some Buddy Holly in there. You know, she's like, you're quick. So true. 2.30. It's like, actually, Ramones is probably, it's long for a Ramones song, actually. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, it's That's certainly short songs. for one of mine. That's a medley. Yeah. She's getting her shit together. She's saying plenty, too, and she's getting it all in in two and a half minutes, which is incredible. And and these themes, again, these themes are very, very relatable. She, you know, if, if there's anything, what's the name of this record? Emotions and Math. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Yeah, because she's 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 really raging against whatever's happening that's keeping her from being herself. She's not going to you're not going to put Margaret in the corner. No. She's going to step out of that corner and she's going to make her statement. And every one of these songs speak to some point of that. You're not going to put her down. You're not going to keep her down if you're her boyfriend. You're not going to keep her down if you are uh, you know, uh, somebody who she needs to put on a show for to be in some sort of societal construct. She's going to live her life a certain way. She's going to be a certain way. And you know what? She's really good at no one. <laughs> but she's also an equal. She wants to be an equal with people. One of the things that really blew me away by her was that Zoe played me this cover of X Factor, the Lauren Hill song. Yes. At one point, and it's so good. Maybe we'll get to playing that later. But it also reminded me of like how much the underpinnings of soul in her music that she's really got that we did that, play this and we yeah. loved it and, that, and I thought it was amazing you and I I forget what we we kind of just differed on one yeah point I thought we played this, this song too well this isn't the song I'm talking I don't want to play that right now maybe we'll get to that at the end but I, it's just that she's got a lot of that soul in her and you can hear it on the last song we just played on you and I it feels like a matter of time it's got it's kind of got right, some soul right. and some funk to it and that X Factor is live but right? this is the song right I think it is that it's like a radio thing but this is called No Matter Who and you can hear like the Lauren Hill in this song. You know, this is not her playing Lauren Hill. This is this is still from Emotions and Math, and it's called No Matter Who. But you can hear in the phrasing, in the melody here, you can hear the Lauren Hill in her music. Right. Kind of rather than her. And maybe we'll get later and play, play that Lauren Hill song again because it was so spectacular. It was. But uh, this is No Matter Who. <laughs> Dancing around your telephone Wondering if she's at home Doing the same dance And you pass the time for an hour or two Wishing he is holding you with both hands But no matter who Let the phone ring There's no reason to believe in you No matter who got you down Even the weakest of the weak have come around No matter who Our fear is beginning and tragic end Far two lovers but not two friends Hello, regret Got ink and got a ball That you've been loved While wishing you had Never met But no matter who Let the phone ring There's no reason to believe 
Okay, the, the veil is completely off on that one. She That is pomp sensibility like nobody's business. Bump, bump, bump. You can almost hear horns there. Uh, that could be Sam Cooke. That could be Amy. The, I love the boozy phrasing, the way Amy Winehouse would do like a pop song, kind of like give it a little bit of a jazzy late night feel but to you it. you hear the soul. It's like absolutely. It's very much, uh, uh, no matter who. Do. Don't, 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 don't. But that, that step in the guitar. No matter who. Don't, 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 It's like that's a, that's a total Motown stack soul riff. Uh, and then, like, and the vocal is just like, just totally got the chops to sing like soul like Lauren Hill. She goes really smooth in there and, and melodic. The best singing song. Caresses the song she instead of the other does. way. She's singing her butt off there. And it's just like what she does with Lauren Hill, you know, where she become, the rhythm becomes, the way she sings becomes another instrument within the song. So it's just really uh, soulful singing there. The whole song, even the way the chords are, str- and even the way she plays the guitar, you could totally picture like horn section coming in there. Really great. Really great stuff. She's, she's, this album is really a tribute to all the things that are really great about rock and roll songwriting. And again, quick Short, to the point, gets her point across, beautiful little song, we're on to the next one. So, so I also want to play you some stuff from the EP that followed Emotions and Math, uh, which is called Born Yesterday. Emotions and Math 2016, Born Yesterday just last year, short EP. She's finished a record just recently. She said she, she told me she had to just do uh, some background vocals, I think. Otherwise, it's done for spring or something, release. And it's really cool. She says it's, or it sounds really cool is what I mean. She's told me it's like very little guitar. She's gone for just plain songwriting. She's got a lot of like electronics and stuff on it. Mm. I'm really interested to see what it is because it sounded really, and she was really excited about it. But this is uh, the EP from last year. Um, I, I just kind of love this song. It's just so fun to listen to. It's called Before We Were Together. Um, What's it called? Sorry. Before We Were Together. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so just check this out from Born Yesterday because this is just a great pop melody on this song. It really is a great melody. Shut my eyes, I don't want to be privy to the look you're giving me When I tell you that I'm never gonna be the way you said I would Shut my mouth, I don't want to say words that'll make you go away But I also want to make you go away for good I don't like it any more than you do I don't like being the bad guy and breaking the bad news cause I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't say life was better before we were together straight to your face 
mentioned Motown there. I, I towards the end I really heard pop punk. That's true, but the early part there. with just the bass going under yes. under her vocal. It's just like a total Motown build. But it's also it's a really fun, catchy pop song about something that you never write pop songs about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that she's like what does she say? Shut my eyes. I don't want to be privy to the look you're giving me when I tell you that I'm never gonna be the way you said I would. <laughs> you know? Shut my mouth. I don't want to say words that'll make you go away. But I also want to make you go away for good. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like she's talking about the duality of like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. And I, cause I'm going to go and I wish I didn't have to sit here and look at you. But the fact is, it's just not working for me. You know, I don't like it any more than you do. I don't like being the bad guy and breaking the bad news because I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't say it. Life was better before we were together. Yeah. Straight to your face. Uh, you know, because you are. You're, you're fucked. If you don't say it, you're just someone leaving. If you do say it, well, it's just hurtful. 
Yes. But and it's the truth for you. It's your truth. I need to go. She's a bit of an intimidating figure for anyone who wants to have a relationship with well, her. The next verse, the next <laughs> verse, and I'm going to be, but I don't want to be, the woman that goes in history for leaving you for being too good. You know, yes. like, I'm just not enjoying this. You're nice, but like, no, right. I don't want to sit in the dark going over it. Or maybe we could laugh it out, but what is there to joke about? Because I'm, da- I don't like it any more than you do. I don't like being the bad guy breaking the bad news. But I'm damned if I do, and I'm damned right, if I don't right. say it. Life was better before Meanwhile, we were together. Couched in this completely pop. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean it's <laughs> it is it is a great catchy Absolutely. hooky song. Like maybe the hookiest in some ways of all her songs. I agree, but it is complicated. It is, and it, and not all that nice at times. Like, and she's copping to that. She's. Co- I know this isn't the greatest thing I'm doing, but I got to do it. It's just real life. I she is leave. copying to it. Yeah. Well, it's like you're, you're. You're. We've talked about this before. You can't count on me. It's a great idea of self-revelation and understanding about what you can, what it's like. In a way, a lot of her songs speak like that. Like you, you if you're going to hang around with me, there's going to be a lot of disappointment. Honestly, going to be, be a callous, lot of rejection. But she's not being callous about it. No, she's not. She's being actually quite playful. Wait, let me put there. But Honestly, can feel callous, but she's not actually being callous. Although she's a little bit copping to like the, she does write with a little bit of humor in here, which Absolutely. is a little callous, you know. Like she's got a duality there. Yes. Shut my mouth. I don't want to say words that'll make you go away, but I also want to make you go away. Right? Can you good, imagine someone you know? saying that to you? It's I don't want to say something that's going to hurt you, but I I don't want to say something that's going to hurt you and make you leave. But, but I do kind of want do. you to leave. <laughs> you know, like I, you know that, that that's a thing. Can it's you like, at least get the hint until I have to tell you to get the fuck out of here? <laughs> it's a it's 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 got some edge to it there. You know, it does. It's um, and I love that little harmony that she puts in there, which is very much like the kind of punky thing. She comes in there to sing with herself, and it's really really cool. Yeah, it makes it playful and, and kind of like a girl group. So the next song on this EP is called One Heart and Two Arms. And I want to read it to you because what she sort of lays out is it's a love song. She says, I'm not your mother. I'm sticking around. I'm not your father trying to screw the whole town. I'm not your brother. I don't need a dime. I'm not your sister trying to waste your time. I'm not the tax man knocking at your door. Not the damn dog pissing on the kitchen floor. (laughs) It's about time you knew I'm just what I told you. One arm, one heart, and two arms, just waiting to hold you. I'm your lover. No ifs, ands, or maybes. I'm gonna tell you till it drives you crazy. I'm not the punch clock working you nine to five, or the hanging plant that you can't seem to keep alive, or worse, some church that's trying to change you. I'd rather die than rearrange you. You see me looking at you with my heart aglow. Oh, I thought you knew. It's about time you know. I'm your lover. No ifs, ands, and maybes, and I'm gonna tell you till it drives you crazy. Mm. It's a love song. That doesn't <laughs> seem like a love song, but it is. It's truly it seems like it's about all this dark shit because the stuff she's saying she's not that's in his life. Yes, fucking sucks. Right, but all I'm that not shit. That. But then she says, "I'm what I told you. One heart and two arms, just waiting." To I'm a relief you. for that. Yeah, there's a place you can go to get away from that. It doesn't seem like that's what where the song is going. Right, but it it's where she goes, especially when you consider her other songs. Especially when you consider the previous one we just heard. Yeah, right before that. Yes. And all those things she's saying that she's not, she couches them in a, completely in a blues form, like a PJ Harvey song or something. Mm-hmm. It's a dark, bluesy song about all these things she's not. So it really does fool you with how dark it is, which then makes it even more of a spin when she turns around and says, what I am is someone who truly loves you. 
you know, and, and that, right. and that, that like, good it, point. It, it music, reminds me of like Willie Dixon stuff, like Hoochie yes, Coochie Man or something. Yes, because like that's that. kind of the sound she's going yeah, for yeah. with her still with her overdriven thing, but she's working in a very dark musical vein, saying all these dark things. But then it makes it all that more powerful when she gets to what she's actually saying, which is not dark. Right. Or Muddy Waters Trouble No More. Yeah, this is like an old trope that they used. Yeah, like all these different things that are terrible in your life. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the remedy to that. It's yeah, a remedy. And she song. sets you up for it by. It's, it starts to be like a song about how dark life is, but it's not a song about how dark life yeah, is. It's true. It's a song about something else. And in, in classic Margaret Glassby fashion, she surprises us. She, she doesn't, it doesn't go to the obvious place. So this is Margaret Glassby, One Heart and Two Arms. <laughs> I'm not your mother I'm sticking around I'm not your father Trying to screw the whole town I'm not your brother I don't need a dime I'm not your sister Trying to waste your time Tax man knocking at your door, not the damn dog pissing on the kitchen floor. It's about time you knew I'm just what I told you. One heart and two arms just waiting to hold you. I'm your lover.
Well, That's a great fucking guitar playing right there. Yeah, and I take it back what I said before because it is still dark because what she's saying is like this life, I'm not all these things that fucking suck in your life. I'm not the shit family. I'm not all this crap. I'm not your job. I'm your lover and I fucking love you. But she says that. But in her case, she comes with a lot of stuff. And some of that stuff is heavy. Some of that, I mean, because like she loves him and she's passionate at that moment, but it mm-hmm. comes with a lot of fucking stuff. It's true. You know, and she comes with, it's not flowers. Doesn't, doesn't, she, she does songs where she sings dark and then pulls a beautiful hooky melody out of him. She doesn't do that here. She, no, she and she's talking. It. That second verse, she's practically whispering it. Well, and she's got that echo whispering it like it's in his head, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not the clock, the punch clock working you nine to five. Nine to five. It's like there, you know, or the hanging plant that you can't seem to keep, you can't keep alive, you know, or worse, yeah, some yeah. church. Oh yeah, then she change goes you. fucking nuts. On you know, it's guitar. like twice, twice yeah. she has breaks in there where she's just pounding that thing out of either, you know, it there, it's it dissonant and you know, and then it gets almost grungy. It becomes this Lou Reed thing where it becomes like a Velvet Underground kind of really dissonant thing. And then she goes back to the gung, 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 gung. She never loses that. And the drummer is really doing a great job in that song. A very, very underrated job in that song. Laying on the hi-hat, coming, hitting the stand where he has to, keeping that bass drum going with the bass player. It's a really good song. I mean, yeah, all these he, songs are arranged. We didn't talk about her arranged. We did talk about the fact that she brings the, the songs to a... I love how most of these songs start off with the guitar right away. Not one, two, three, four, a little, you know, on the hi-hat or anything. It's like, right in your face. And it's clear... And it sounds like a Telecaster, like just fucking blasted. Some of it's clean, but it's just right in your face. Not a lot of effects, if none really on it. Well, and it's overdriven. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, yeah. Anyway, another fucking great song by her. She's And she arranges, the, like I said, she arranges the song so well, she brings you into that little world that you always talk about. You know, the, the, the songwriter should bring you into that world and then present it to you. And she does that in these songs very, very well. We haven't talked about that, but I did want to make that point. In all of her songs, she brings you into the emotion of it. Because that's the idea of a writer or a songwriter is not so much what you're thinking. The person needs to understand what you're thinking. They have to relate to what you're thinking. They need to feel it. They have to feel it. And she makes you feel it. She really does. Yeah, she really does. And she's thinking some things that aren't simple things. She's, there, there, there's some complexity and depth and layers to it. I, I want to play. There's, I want to play the last song on the EP too, uh, which is called uh, "I Love You Good Night," and it's about the fact that in her life she's gone a lot on the road. She's gone on tour, and and that she has a relationship where the person's been open to it, but there's a there's a, a cost to him too. She writes, "Let's not say I miss you a thousand times. Let's say I love you good night, because in the morning I'll still be gone. Sing me a love song." I'm rolling around the Midwest and it feels like the biggest test we've ever taken. I know you know the feeling well. It doesn't take too much to tell. I can't see your face, but I can hear your heart breaking. It's breaking. You told me, baby, go get your break. Then push me into a skyscrape. Honey, I did just what you said. And I bought us a feather bed to lie in. Are you crying? I'm crawling from the Midwest and it feels like the biggest test we've ever taken. I know you know the feeling well. It doesn't take too much to tell. I can't see your face, but I can hear your heart breaking. It's breaking. I'm rolling around the Southwest, and it feels like the biggest test we've ever taken. I know you know the feeling well. It doesn't take too much to tell. I can't see your face, but I can hear your heart breaking. It's breaking. Uh, My favorite line is, sing me a love song. Yeah, I mean, the idea is like, it sucks. It's also 
she's not saying it in any bad way or any. She's just sort of like recognizing the fact that he's been good enough to say, "Go do this thing, honey. Go get your break," you know. And I did it, and I know it hurts you, and it does. But I'm still not going to be back tomorrow morning, you know. It's like, and it's hard, hard for both of us. And she says, "I feel like it's the biggest test we've ever taken." I, I want to play this song too because there's a, just a killer guitar solo in it at one place or a guitar break whatever you want to call it and I, I just was like I've been wanting to play this in a podcast because the guitar part is mm-hmm. just so fucking great um, so this is I Love You Goodnight the last song on the EP let's not say I miss you a thousand times let's say I love you goodnight cause in the morning I'll still be gone Sing me a love song I'm rolling around the Midwest And it feels like the biggest test We've ever taken I know you know the feeling well It doesn't take too much to tell I can't see your face But I can hear your heart breaking it's breaking you told me baby go get your break and push me into a skyscraper honey i did just what he said and i bought us a feather bed to lie in are you crying i'm calling from the midwest and it feels like We've ever taken. I know you know the feeling well. It doesn't take too much to tell. I can't see your face, but I can hear your heart breaking. It's breaking.
whammy bar action on that. <laughs> I, mean, I just think that's so good. That is so. There's just so much like. It's a very uh, contemplative's not the word I'm looking for. It's a very aware song. It, it's it's it, it is able to take into account his position with sympathy and empathy, and her position with sympathy and empathy, and the two don't necessarily meet, and they don't they don't necessarily. It's not easy, but they exist together apart. The two ways they feel and the life, and it and it brings all that into a song. And it stands up for itself. That guitar part is brash and has more like, this is who I am, period, and I will play you out on that, you know? Mm. And, and it's, a, it's a really adult portrait of a relationship with two people dealing with difficulty together and being okay with it, even if it's hard and it hurts. It's a very grown-up song in that way. That's not callous at all. Um, and, man, that's like... A, the pain, the anger, the sadness, all in that guitar playing, and that sinuous again, just the the snake like way she plays that guitar, you know, moving in through the emotions and towards the end of the song. It's I also love the way that first guitar break. They come out of it. The drummer's in using he's on the ride or something, and uh, it's noisy. The guitar is big. The drums are big. You know. Uh, I'm rolling around the Southwest and it feels like the biggest test we've ever taken. And all of a sudden the guitar is closed off and he's back on the hi-hat and the whole song just goes without any effect doing it. It just right. sucks closed. Yeah. Yeah. They do a lot, with just yeah. the three of them, they're not trying any other effects. They're just, they're using the dynamics of the song and the drummer does a great job in all these songs. I mentioned it in the last song and just like the last song too, her guitar is expressing her emotions really well in these songs but specifically the last two yep. where she gets after those verses where she gets kind of really emotional she starts pounding on the guitar and this one she's again she's letting the guitar speak for her as she, you said she's absolutely brilliant uh, and the band is too but the arrangements the guitar accompaniment the parts uh, the last few weeks we've been really dealing with songwriters who are also composers in that their accompaniment is really thought out really powerful whether it's the sound of the instruments or the tone, the tone which they play or the the melodies, the whole other set of melodies they're writing, not for their voices but for their instruments. It is, uh, it's a master class in how to be a songwriter and play an instrument, you know, right. an instrumentalist as well. And make the last a record, weeks, you know. Make a record because there's a song and then there's the record. Yeah. You, you write the song, you bring it to the band, you work on it with the band, then you go make a record. And in that record, there has to be it's not only a record of events uh, that are happening in the room, uh, in this case a trio, but it's also recording this song for posterity. You've said it many times. When you go in to record, you realize that this is going to be, even though Counting Crows does other versions of your songs, you realize when you go in to record the song, this is the song. It's got to be the best it's going to be. This has got to be its testament. This, once yeah. it, then it's out there in the ether, and then you move on to other songs. But in, 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 in so many ways over the last few weeks, in particular in in Wildermaker and now in Margaret Glaspie, these are people writing great songs but making ambitious uh, expressions, visionary music. Yeah, you know, yeah. in totally different ways. The three of them, but very ambitious, visionary music they're making. Uh, the work they're doing is incredible. I, I think all three of those bands in completely different ways and very unique. Right. And I, and I connect them all that way, too. And that's the only reason I brought up the Supremes before in Diana Ross. I wasn't saying that she necessarily was the same thing, but it's, it, she, she has a sense, just like the artist we, we played last week, of what she's working with. 
and she does she gets the most out of it and you feel well, the emotions of that moment yeah what she's working with is you know more talent than most people yeah, yes. and, and, and an ambition and, and it a comes scope through. a scope that's greater than what most people and all three of these artists we've talked about the last two weeks they're working with a very ambitious uh, scope and they're filling it out with talent that is Impressive. Well, they're shooting for the moon and they're hitting the mark. And they're hitting it. Yeah, it's very impressive. And I, I hope that doesn't seem condescending. But uh, I, I, I'm glad we spent the whole episode just talking about Margaret Glassby because I, I think she's extraordinary. And, you know, it's funny meeting her, you know, every once in a while. It's a wonderful thing when you, you find someone, you know, it's, it's very – sometimes you have to live with the fact that you meet people you admire whose work you appreciate and they just don't live up to it. But she was fantastic. Not only like – great but funny cool brash and, and and driven too just really seeming like someone who is very just wants to make great music and you know i know what that's like you want to make a life and you want to make some great music you want to really do something right and she's really doing something you know uh it's a uh, it's really making something. your mark you call it making your mark yeah you know, we yeah. should we should probably get out of here yeah, yep. the time. but let's leave them with uh with x factor because we're here again we're not it's not gonna cost sure. any more time let's just leave them with x factor I love this song anyway. I loved it the first time. Well, I love Lauren Hill's uh, version off of her masterpiece, The Miseducation, and also the first time we played it. I remember we talked about how much she made it her own, but she definitely captured what Lauren was doing in that song. Um, yeah. It's a combination of that, and that's a tough thing to do. Well, we've talked about covers a lot on this podcast, and that's a tough thing. You want to be able to capture the essence of what that song was because that's why you cover it, because you really love the song. But then you have to make it your own to make people want to listen to it anew. Well, you don't, but you should. You really should. And she does. And she does. Yeah, very much. Another song is just her on a guitar, <laughs> yeah. and, and she really does. She does. Uh, so... Thank you. This has been. This is going to be X Factor, uh, written by Lauren Hill, but recorded here by Margaret Glaspie. Uh, to take you out, it's from a Spotify session, I think. I, I can't remember where I found it. And by the way, my friend, I could be wrong, but either the last. I think this is episode seven zero. So congratulations, we made it through seventy. That is impressive. It really is. <laughs> this has been the Underwater Sunshine Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm James. Peace. Late.
for me, give to me, give to me. Why won't you there for me, care for me, care for me? You said you care for me, there for me, there for me. Said you'd be there for me, cry for me, cry for me. You said you'd die for me, give to me, give to me. Why won't you there for me? Hey, 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 hey,